Welcome to episode 114 of Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George, and I'm really excited for you to be with us today. I'm just going to share from my heart today about something that I'm very passionate about. And yes, I'm passionate about Jesus. Yes, I'm passionate about churches, and I'm passionate about my family. I'm passionate about my sports teams. But I'm also, for those of you that know me, I'm a little bit passionate, maybe overly passionate, about schedules, about goals, about agendas, and about making some progress with your time here on this earth. So today, I want to talk to you about seven things that I have found to help me set goals and achieve them. And some of this stuff, you're going to think, well, I've heard that, or maybe I've never heard it that way. But I've been reading books on productivity for the last 20 years, and I've kind of whittled it down to what works for me. And I've had some great resources along the way. I've got some great tools that I use, which I'll share as we go. But I thought it would just be fun for me to share some things that have worked for me. And if you're my personality type, you may love it. If you're not, you may hate it. Uh, But it works. And the important thing is not that you do what I do, but you do what works for you. For instance, I on the Myers-Briggs, I am an I-N-T... J, which means I'm introverted, um, means I think far ahead rather than right now. It means I focus more on uh, analytics and statistics than I do feelings. And it means I am very, very precise with time and attention and just accomplishing goals. Uh, I like post-it notes, that kind of thing. If you are different than that, this may be a little bit of like eating oatmeal. You think, I, I don't necessarily want to do this, but it may be helpful for you. And you may not do all seven of these things, but you may pick up one or two that you think, boy, I could definitely do that. That would be helpful. You might think of somebody else that you think, boy, they would really appreciate this. Or maybe it's your teenage son or daughter that you think they need to hear this. Uh, Feel free to share this on with them. And I'm not opposed to bribing them. I bribe my kids all the time to read books. Sometimes they're mine uh, or to do various things. Um, And sometimes it costs me a tank of gas or a, a $20 bill or they get to pick where we eat out next. Whatever it is, um, if it's worthwhile, make it worth their time and get it in front of them. So maybe you're an Enneagram um, you know, one, and you're such a perfectionist that you think, I can't try any of these things because I don't want to fail at them. I get it, but it's worth trying. Maybe you're an Enneagram four, and your life is just crazy with drama, up and down, highs and lows. This may bring you some stability. If you're an Enneagram 6 like I am, you may love this stuff because it looks like accomplishment and loyalty because the numbers and the letters don't lie on the page. So that's what we're going to get to, and that is seven things to help you execute your goals. Uh, Before we get into that, I do want to invite you to do something if you haven't already, and that is would you join my book launch team I've got a brand new book coming out called After Amen, What to Do While You're Waiting on God. Friends, um, it it would be an understatement to just simply say, I like this book. Um, And the reason I love this book is because I feel like it's my best work. I feel the most proud about this book. And it's such a deep-seated journey for me and what I've wrestled through when it comes to prayer. I grew up in uh, a Christian culture that prayer was kind of what you do just to put a cherry on top of the rest of the things that you're supposed to do. It really doesn't do anything. We would talk about it a lot. We talk about the need to pray, or I will pray for you. But the idea of actually seeing God move in our life 
and knowing what to do after we pray, not really thought about. And I know I have stood in the lobby so many times and talked to people who tell me their troubles, and I ask them about, are they praying about it? And they say, yep, and I saw nothing. And if you've ever been there and felt like God has not answered your prayers, I think this book will help you. If you have someone in your life that you think, boy, they've quit prayer because they think it doesn't work, this book will help them. And certainly for those of you that have stopped praying altogether, I think this book uh, will help you. Even if you have a thriving prayer life, you may have a lot of belief in your Heavenly Father to do what it is you've asked, but you may be really confused why he sometimes says yes to some prayers, but no to others. Uh, I did a deep dive into the ways that Jesus uh, would respond to people when they asked him for things. It was their version of prayer. His answers were rather interesting. They weren't always the same. And sometimes it required them to do something. And so we're going to look at seven things in the book After Amen that you do while waiting on God. Uh, If you don't have that book yet, uh, it's uh, releasing in October, but you can pre-order it now. You can buy it on Amazon, but I'm going to save you two bucks if you buy it at PastorRustyGeorge.com. And if you join the launch team, I'll give you the book free. And all I ask is that you will promote it on social media. Now, we only have a limited number of spots for the launch team, just so make sure you sign up for that now. But if you just want to pre-order it, do it now. I'll send you the first chapter digitally, and you can start reading right away. PastorRustyGeorge.com. The book is after Amen. Okay, how to set goals. Seven things to help you execute the goals that you've been dying to do. Here's the first thing. Number one, set a time to think about it. Now, that may may sound a little counterintuitive or just a little ridiculous, but let's think about it. If your life is so chaotic that you don't do this well and it doesn't come natural to you, you're going to need to carve out some time to actually think about it. Otherwise, you will live in the tyranny of the urgent. You will spend your entire day just answering email. You will spend your entire week just shuttling kids around and just preparing meals. And at the end of it, think, did we ever have any quality time? Did we ever advance our relationships? Did we ever do anything for somebody else? Did I grow in my relationship with God? You may be a pastor, and you may just be at the whim of everybody else's decisions. And they call you, and they need you, and they ask you, and you're running from a hospital room to a living room to a baseball practice to somebody's meeting to a finance planning committee, and then here comes Saturday, and you don't have your message done yet. And Saturday night can be a really, really rough night for a lot of pastors. How do you plan ahead for that? How do you do that? So I would say, number one, set a time to think about it. All right, I'm going to carve out one hour uh, to, to actually process this idea. And ask yourself, are you a morning person or a night person? Do it when you're fresh. Do it when you're ready. Some of us, we like to clear the deck, so to speak. We like to answer all the email and return all the messages and then sit down with nothing hanging over our head. Well, good luck. But if that's what you need to do, do it. But have a hard stop time as to when you're going to stop doing those things and focus on what you need to. Turn off all notifications, shut off your computer, get a piece of paper and a pencil, get away from the television. Uh, If you have to, go driving in your car uh, just to be away and use your voice recorder on your phone. But set up a time to think about it. Well, what are you going to think about? Number two, start with the long view. Now, some people may tell you, think 10 years out. I don't think we can do that anymore. Our our world is changing so rapidly. Our lives are changing so rapidly. I like to start with a year in mind. 
And maybe it's just six months for you, but you can easily start with a year and then back it up to six months and then up to a quarter and then even to a week and a day. But start with this whole idea of a long view and not just what do I want to accomplish by this time next year, but rather who do I want to be this time next year? In fact, the other day I was on a plane and I thought, you know what, I I want to start with this. I'm going to turn 50 in about seven months. Um, Who do I want to be when I'm 50? What do I want to be true about me? What do I want to be thought of when it comes to me? I am a person who values friendship. I am a person who makes time for my family. I am a person who takes care of my health. Whatever those things are, start with the end in mind. As Stephen Covey once said, begin with the end in mind and think about, all right, a year from now, who do I want to be? And start just making a list, a long, long list. I had a conversation with a guy who was, uh, he's about 26 years old, and he was telling me that he has always found it very difficult to receive compliments. And he was talking with a mentor about this, and the mentor said, the problem is, is you don't expect anything good for yourself. And part of that is because of your shame of maybe regrets from your past or bad decisions that you've made, but you just don't expect anything good to happen, and so you don't plan for it to happen. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit down and write down 300 things that you want out of your life. He said, the first five will be easy. The next 295 will be excruciating because you have to get specific about what you want to see happen in your life. It's a great exercise. And it gets you to be thinking about not only what I want to do and what I want to have, but who do I want to be? When you set that in mind, then you can begin thinking about, all right, now what do I do next? So that's number two. Number one, we're going to carve out a time to think about it. Number two, we're going to start with a long view. Number three, plan time with God first. All right, you've got your five or six things. I I wouldn't do more than seven of what it is you want to be true about your life in a year. Um, And then when you start planning out your week or start planning out your calendar, I want you to think about time with God first. What does that look like for you? It may be as simple as, I'm going to go to church every single weekend. It may be Thursday. It may be Sunday. It may be a Saturday night. It may be online. It may be in person, but I'm going to church every single weekend. Maybe you're already there. Maybe then it becomes... I'm going to spend daily time with God in prayer. Maybe it's three times a week. Listen, anything's better than nothing. But decide, I'm going to do that in the morning or I'm going to do that at night. And here's where I'm going to do that. This is my time and place, my time and place, my time and place where I spend time with God. I sit in this chair, I read this book, and I do it at this time. Once you set that in place, don't deviate from it. Make the only thing that makes you break that schedule is if you're headed to the hospital for you or someone you love. If you put this rhythm in your life, I'm telling you, it will make things so much clearer. And maybe you're thinking, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. We have talked about this in previous episodes of the podcast, what to do when spending time with God. Uh, I did a whole conversation with a mentor of mine named J.K. Jones about what to read, regardless of whether or not you're a reader. Um, This is some really helpful stuff, but I would encourage you to download the Bible app and just start with a Bible plan. You can grab one of those there based on a topic you're interested in. It's the repetition that matters more than the content. The content's gold. 
it'll do what it does. And as scripture says, God's word never returns void. You set up the time and the place. Show God it's important to you. For me, that's in the morning. Before anybody else is up, I sit down with a cup of coffee. At least one of my dogs is with me, and I start reading. I read a little bit from the Bible. I read out of a prayer journal. I write some stuff down, and I pray, and that's it. It doesn't have to be hours, but it's more of the repetition than it is the content. There's some great resources out there, like an app called Ceaseless that takes all of your contacts and gives you three a day to pray for. The YouVersion Bible app, you can't get much better than that. Even the the Bible app, or it's not a Bible app, it's an app called Pause uh, by John Eldridge, which you can set up to go off two to three times a day just to remind you to take a one-minute pause and talk to God. And he leads you through it. It's brilliant. Those are your first three steps. You set a time to think about the goals you want to have. You start with a long view. And then when you're, certain, when you're putting your calendar together, you plan time with God first. All right, here's the fourth one. Plan time with family second. Family second. Before your job, before all your to-dos, ask yourself, how am I spending time with my family this week or even this month? I, I heard a pastor say one time, I don't know what's more important, my family or my ministry. And another pastor said, your family is your ministry. For those of you that are church leaders, this is your most important leadership development. You have to lead your family first. And trust me, you won't always get it right. But what I've learned is the average parent can deal with an average child and average mistakes and everything will be okay. It's just the consistency It's just the consistency of spending time with your family. What that means for me is when I look at my calendar, when am I going to have one-on-one time with my kids? When am I going to have a date with my daughter? When are we going to go out and do various things to get her ready for college? Uh, We do an overnight uh, date once a year to any destination she wants to go to, and now we're thinking about college visits. So when are we going to plan those? When are we going to do those? And I would even tell you, don't worry about, especially if your kids are older, it's hard to schedule all of this. Don't worry about it's every week. Think about it in terms of the month. By the end of this month, I want to have this many hours of quality time with my kids. Now begin to space them out at a time that works for you. If your kids are already out of the house, I'm telling you, making that time for them is helpful, whether it's a phone call or a text or just even a you know, reaching out saying, I don't need a thing. I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. I'm just telling you I love you and I'm praying for you. If you live close, maybe it's a standing breakfast or lunch or golf game, but something you do just to say, I put family uh, second right behind God. All right, here's the fifth thing. Don't confuse the family with the marriage. There's another relationship going on in the house and that's you and the spouse. Make sure that you are spending time with them at a time when phones are not an issue and when distractions of the kids are not a problem. Go out to eat. Get out of the house. Go see a movie when we can get back in theaters. Get out of the, the, the rat race of home. Don't make your date night just running errands. Although, being together for running errands is huge. It's quality time. Be together. Make sure you're nurturing that because one day the kids will leave and you don't want to look at your spouse and say, who are you? All right, we're going to take a pause right there, do a brief commercial break, and I want to tell you about a conference that's coming up. 
This is a phenomenal resource for all church leaders, and it is called the Spire Network. Okay, Spire.network is where you go, and it is a collection of thousands of churches across the country who normally get together for three days in Orlando, Florida. This year, we are getting together for one day online, September the 30th from 11 a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. So what we are doing with our staff is we're putting everybody in the big auditorium, social distancing, and we're going to watch this together. If you have a church staff, I'm telling you, this will be worth your time and your money. If you have uh, just an interest in church leading or being uh, a person that's advancing the kingdom, this will be worth your effort. And so let me just tell you about the speakers that are going to be there. It's really going to be a great, great event. There are going to be a variety of people that come from uh, different walks of life. You're going to have some pastors. You're going to have leaders of nonprofits. You're even going to have a great conversation heard from Carrie Newhoff, one of our favorites around here, Katie Cole, Ashley Weiss, Gene Apple, Dave Stone. Ephraim Smith will be talking to us about race relations, and Carrie Job will be talking about her song, The Blessing, and even an interview uh, with the creator of The Chosen, uh, which is this great mini-series on the life of the disciples and Jesus. So I highly encourage you to sign up for Spire. It's a conference for six hours. It's uh, relatively cheap, and it'll be a benefit to you and your staff. Okay, commercial break's over back at it here. Two more things. So the first one was set a time to think about it. Number two, start with the long view. Number three, plan time with God first. Number four, plan time with family second. Number five, don't confuse the family with the marriage. And finally, or not finally, number six, once a week, plan it out. All right. You're thinking out about all these things. You're writing some stuff down. Now, what do you do with it? You can use your calendar on your phone. That's great. For me, The best tool I've ever found is the Full Focus Planner uh, from Michael Hyatt and company. Uh, Michael Hyatt is the guru when it comes to uh, just maximizing every aspect of your life. He is the new Stephen Covey. He is an amazing individual. He's a great guy, a follower of Jesus, and they're Full Focus Planner helps you do more than keep track of your appointments. It helps you maximize every single moment. And if you use it, I'm telling you, it will benefit you. They even have a student edition, which I just got one for my senior in high school. And she is not like I am on the Enneagram and on the Myers-Briggs. And so the calendaring and scheduling did not come natural for her. But I gave it to her and I said, the ball's in your court now. Here's a video you watch. It teaches you how to do it. And I'm here to help. And then I encourage her along the way. I would encourage you to grab one of these if you want. And it, uh, it's well worth the investment. But sit down once a week and plan it out. Get your biggest stuff done early. Think about the big, big projects you've got to get done. Uh, and think about just the level of energy it's going to take. If you're at your best and freshest in the morning, carve out a couple hours where you are not going to be distracted by anything and you can knock some of these things out. As uh, my, my friend and former mentor, Bob Russell, likes to say, if you have to eat a frog, do it first thing in the morning. Get the tough stuff over with. Get it done. And that way, as your energy diminishes during the day, you deal with the tasks that require less energy. 
responding to email, social media, all of those kind of things. And for me, that's also throughout the week. I have a long weekend. Sunday night, I'm exhausted. Monday, I'm still recovering. Tuesday is when I get my best work done. Tuesday and Wednesday. And then it all starts again with Thursday night service and so on and so forth. Think about the rhythm of your week and plan out accordingly when you're going to do what you're going to do. We had an episode with Brian Jones, a, uh, a pastor, but also kind of a coach to pastors. Just a few episodes ago, you might check it out because he talks about this principle of calendaring that might be very helpful for you. Last thing is this, number seven, when you're done, you're done. The hard work for me is sitting down Sunday night and writing down all the things I want to do and the things that I need to do in order to become the person I want to become. The second hardest part is not even doing it. It's when I've completed them, being good enough with that. Sometimes at the end of the day, you've done all you can do, and good enough is good enough. And you got to learn how to hit sleep on the computer. You got to learn how to close the journals and the day timers and planners. And you got to know how to put your phone on you know, some kind of uh, silence mode and go be with your family. Shut those things down. Do what refuels you. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's eating. Maybe it's watching TV. Maybe it's going for a long walk. Maybe it's playing with your kids. Maybe it's taking your dog out. I don't know. But do things that refuel you so you get a good night's sleep and you're rested and ready to go the next day. Well, I hope this was helpful for you. If it was, make sure you share it with somebody else. Um, we are uh, just so grateful by all of your support and many of you have left reviews and uh, you know, click the stars on the uh, iTunes rating and subscribe to this. So please keep doing that. We'll keep you posted with great content. And next time, my co-host Brad Williams will be back and we're going to discuss the one book we wish we'd read 20 years ago. has a lot to do with some of the stuff we talked about today, but I think it'll be really, really helpful for you. You don't want to miss that. We'll see you next time. Let's do